Magazine to three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. Osmond steps into a long-distance jumper. Allen to the bucket. He crushes it home. Off the Garland for three. He knocks it down. Drummond toward Valanciunas. Finds a cutter in a Coro, and a Coro thunders it home. By Kyrie. Sexton got it back. Nance for the tie. He knocks it down. Long hands it off the Sexton feed. Cavaliers by seven. And uh, Cleveland! This is for you! Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join Evan and I this Wednesday at 12.30 for lunch with Lockdown Cavs to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Hey, Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs. Coming up on today's show, Evan and I are going to talk about the Cavs' big win over the San Antonio Spurs and then talk about two shooters who Cleveland could theoretically be interested in in this offseason, Duncan Robinson as a free agent, I'll beat of the restricted variety, and then Corey Kispert from Gonzaga in, as a potential draft option that we neither of us particularly love. That's all coming up today on Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts before we get started today. Here's a quote from J.B. Bickerstaff from his postgame press conference about the Sexland duo, and then we'll hop into the show. Yeah, I, mean, I think they play like the numbers they put up are what star backcourts are capable of. And that's what they do consistently. You know, when you think of the elite backcourts in the league, you look at those numbers and those numbers come consistently. And I think our young guys, you know, are still growing. Um, but those are the when your backcourt plays like that, that's how you carry a team. And, you know, again, we're growing to that. You know, our expectations of those guys are high. Um, but, you know, the search is now we play Oklahoma City, right? And now we do it again. And I think, you know, huge step in the right direction uh, for both of those guys. Um, you know, I thought Darius controlled the game uh, and was phenomenal. Uh, obviously, Bull put pressure on, you know, that he does. But both of them played on the defensive end of the floor as well. So I thought it was a huge step uh, for those guys in the right direction. Evan, that was a fun game. That I, I think looking at this game, that might have been the Cavs' best one of the season, and I almost certainly think it's the best game of Darius Garland's career. How are you doing? Eh, I think that win over the Nets when Colin Sexton throttled the big three is their best win, but this is definitely up there. But I'm good. The Cavs had fun tonight. I had fun tonight. Jalen Suggs and Gonzaga right now are not having fun. They're down 31-14 to 14 to Baylor as I'm saying this. But all things considered, not too bad, man. How are you doing? doing? Good. You know what I I, realized, I learned this right before we hopped on because I hadn't seen the tweet or seen the news. I'm just John Henson signed a 10-day contract with the Knicks, and I'm just happy for John Henson. Me too. John, Henson's, it, John Henson is a very good player. Um, very good to little strong. He's his, solid. What, He's a solid player. Very solid, but very good for what you expect him to be. He is a non-harmful big man who can sop up some bench big minutes for you and that's what I mean by very good. I'm not saying he's a lead or anything because he would have been signed by now, but for what the Knicks need right now with Mitchell Robinson sidelined and possibly sidelined longer than expected, uh, who knows. Um this is a good pickup for them for All right, sure. Let's dive into the game. So Cavs win 
Uh, in San Antonio, one twenty-five to one hundred one, uh, they get to eighteen and thirty-two on the season with the win. San Antonio drops to five hundred, leading the way for Cleveland. Darius Garland with a career high thirty-seven points, fourteen to twenty-two from the field, five of ten from three, four of four from the line. Also had seven assists against just one turnover. Also had two steals. Kevin Love had nine and eight. Derek Collins Sexton had twenty-two points and an inc- a John Morant. Dare I say, better than John Morant-esque Miss Dunk. Isaac Okoro had 11 and on, which 3 of 3 from 3. And then Isaiah Hartenstein had 16 from the had 16 and 12 off the bench. And Torin Prince, uh, perhaps juiced up by the fact that his Baylor Bears are playing the national title game, had 14 points off the bench. Okay, Evan, so let's talk about this game. Let's talk about MVP. I think very clearly, Darius Garland, by far, is the MVP with his 37.7 assist performance. Yeah, there's really, I mean, we can entertain the fact that Colin Sexton put up 22-5, and five, um, but Darius Garland stole the show tonight. He was the MVP, without a doubt, in my mind. I'm not really going to debate this with you at all. Um, this is the game. These are the type of games where I talk about, like, I need to see it from Darius Garland, where he's scoring from deep. He's scoring from different spots on the floor. He was 4-4. Four four. He was using contact and aggressiveness to get to the line, but he also was the maestro of Cleveland's offense with those seven dimes. And he also had two steals and one block, which, you know, active hands, Darius Garland is always a good thing. I don't think he's ever going to be like another worldly defender or a Mike Conley level defender. Shouts to your rant from Monday's episode. But uh, Darius, this was a very, very good game for him. And I feel very comfortable in what his potential is long-term when he has games like this. And hopefully he falls. I mean, Oklahoma City is going to be a tough test if Shea is available for that one. But this is a very good game against, I know, the Spurs didn't have Dejounte Murray tonight, but Derek White is no no scrub either. New is neither is Demar Derozan. Like the the Spurs are a sound team defensively, and the Cavs kind of blew the doors off them, and that's all because of Darius. And this these are the kind of games I need when I say like he has flashes. This is him capitalizing on the flashes of potential and showing me something. All right, so I'm just gonna just give a context on his numbers for the year right now because they're better. They're they're pretty freaking good. All right, so he is averaging 16.2 points per game, 5.8 assists against 3.1 turnovers. Um, he is shooting 39.4% from three on 4.4 attempts per game. He is shooting 44% from the field, so he's a little only at 46% of two-pointers. That makes sense considering you know some of the plates he often leaves shots a little short is, is at the rim. Um, but I, I, I'll have to do the breakdowns. I think I'll write this about him for my note, notebook call on Friday. But I think he's been particularly good like the last couple last games. I know there's been a stretch where he's been above 20 points per game averaging. I think he's looking more confident. And I think a game like this where you see him launch threes like he did and just kind of loosen up in that regard is a really encouraging sign. And as you mentioned, Derek White um, defended him for big chunks this game. And Derek White's a very good defender. Like Derek White is a bulldog on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and, and Darius kind of won that matchup. This was just really, really performance. And he made everything go this was so like I, I just think looking at him in this game everything about what he did just made everything go it was really impressive him and Colin as a duo really worked um off the I got I gotta look back and see some of the Colin shot attempts and stuff but I think when Darius does this and he everything's just kind of moving with him and Kevin in particular I think you uh see Colin cutting and everything just looks better um I think the, the Cavs' offensive rating in this game, let's just transition into set of the night so we're not taking up too much time, was 103, excuse me, uh, was 128.3. That is, for me, the stat of the night. Um, You could go Darius's, you know, the three-point attempts, taking 10 and everything, but I just like that. That is like such a great offensive performance from a very typically very bad offensive team. And I'm not willing to say that like this team is a good offensive team, but I'm willing to say that like, 
put out better players and like it's just gonna look better and Darius taking doing something here I don't know if it's like a full blown leap or whatever but this is something and like you can put this team can put together good offensive games when everything kind of breaks right for them it seems like yeah no these this is one of those games where everything just did break right for Cleveland and I think maybe Darius Garland just coming out completely guns blazing let me pull up his first quarter stats just period here he was 4-7 from the floor 2-5 from 3 for 11 points 2 assists in the second half and the first half in general he had 17 points 3 assists like he was the leading charge in this then like then prince came in and had 10 points in the first half hartenstein came in and had 11 points in the first half like the Cavs were bowling san antonio with their starters and with their bench players and like it just kind of built a ton of momentum and really went into that third quarter which is my stat of the night pick is cleveland had 43 points in the third quarter which is something you really don't expect from them at all um because they're just not a very good third quarter team and granted san antonio scored 33 so it was close but the Cavs were firing on all cylinders like just again for context sexton had 12 garland had 14 wade had four and then there's a lot of two point just a lot of single digit performances from like the majority of players not named dotson osmond or thomas who none of those players played at this point but it was a good out it was a good third quarter for the Cavs, and that's my stat of the night they don't really win those and it's good to get a win every now and then I, I this was just such a good performance. Like I, yeah. I, I just I think you're probably right about the Nets thing, but I think just in terms of like a beatdown that was like sort of like very level, I kind of just don't know if I've seen them do this. And I think like the third quarter, like they, they, they outscored a team by ten in the third quarter, and that's historically yeah. just been a, a trouble spot for this team in a lot of ways. Um, Evan, before we go to play of the night, I just want to ask do you. I I said this at the top. Is this Darius's? This the, this in your mind just gut take best game of Darius's career? Yes, it absolutely is not. Yeah, this is absolutely Darius's best game. It was a very complete game on both, just in terms of offense and a little bit of defense. This was a very good game. Cool. All right, so play of the night, Evan. Mine is a pretty simple one. I think third quarter, uh, Darius Garland feeds an entry pass into Kevin Love at the elbow. Love just Garland cuts through back cut. Um, just a really good little set like that. Kevin Love kind of can unlock for you and just good instinctual fast paced basketball. A thing that I noticed in this game that's kind of taking shape with Kevin back is that even on entry on inbounds passes, he might be snapping the ball up the floor and they're pushing a little bit more and the pace is picking up and they look better for it. And this is just one of these things where it's not a you know a crafty design. It's nothing like super intricate, but it's like okay, we're we're gonna try to catch the defense now here we're going to rely on kevin to make the right play and you got two points out of it and just really good use of these two guys that were really important to the team no i absolutely agree and i think that's just a very good pass and you tweeted it and said it kevin love is still very good is still a very good player he may not put up the huge counting stats that he did with minnesota that players never came back and we maybe never see the kevin love we got during the heyday of the Cavs with LeBron in that second era, but he's still a very good player, and he's still a very reliable player. He may not be traded because of his contract, but he does bring some positive value to the Cavs, at least on the offensive side of the ball. My play of the night pick was originally that as Isaac Okoro posterizing dunk in the first half, but I've actually changed my mind because it was just a really nice play in the fourth quarter. Um, Darius kicks it to Torian Prince in the right corner and then he floats over to the left corner Torian drives in and then he kicks the ball to Darius and it ends up being a very long two because his foot was on the line but Darius drains a three which leads to I believe his 22nd point of the night um yeah I'm looking at it now is his 22nd point of the night so it was a key part of everything that was happening but um it's just a really good outing for Darius like that was just a really good offensive play in general like just 
good ball movement. That's that's the thing I want to see more from the Cavs is just smart passing and smart ball movement that lead to good shots like that. And it sucks his foot wasn't on the line, but you know you can I'll consider that a three because at that point Darius was so red hot. I don't think he if he took one like inch of a step back he would have made it still. Last one play I just want to shout out real quick before we get out uh, dive into the shooters part of the podcast is uh, Matthew Delavadova threw a back cut pass to I think Sexton. Oh, that was such a good play. So simple but so good is what I said to you when we talked about it. Yeah, and I, I here's here's why it always pops to me because I don't know why like like they couldn't do this with like pick the the guys they've tried. Like I, I think this could have been a real Exum thing and maybe they did it, then I'm not remembering it. But if you remember back to the days of the Matthew Delavadova, Jordan Clarkson duo, right? One of the things that really worked with those two was this very simple action that the Cavs would catch teams on all the time. I don't know why it wasn't like the number, like a top 10 thing on a scouting report where they're like, they're going to try and do this and you should just like take it away. But Jordan Clarkson would just do a real quick backup. Delhi would find him and he'd get two points. It worked like it seemingly like every time. It was just one of these real basic things that they would run like a couple times a game. Like, I, I think even if it's not Delhi throwing that pass, I want to see some more of that. I think it's a good way to get Colin as a cutter kind of moving. He has the, he's, you know, maybe not going to be as crafty as a finisher is, as Clarkson is, but, and, and nor is long, but he's got the speed to get the great separation with his cuts. And I, I just think there's something to that. And I just love, like, again, Delhi is not the long-term answer back a point guard. He is not like, you know like peak Delhi. Like he bricked a three really bad in this game. Uh, that was wide open after some really good ball movement. But like, that kind of stuff is just useful and it's easy buckets and this team needs to manufacture easy buckets. And I just, I just love that simple stuff. And it's just, that was one of those things that actually worked on a really bad team in like 2018, that AKA the year Larry drew had the joy sucked out of his soul and like respect to them for just pulling that out and, and getting and getting Colin uh, a little look out of it. Yeah, no, that was just a really good plus play and really good pass like i said it was super simple just a good look um like you said delay isn't the permanent option at backup point for the Cavs, but he's better than what the Cavs have had before he had his neck slash concussion and uh his appendectomy so i'll take it when i can all right so now here's a clip uh i just want to there's a quote a very brief quote i asked darius about kevin love uh here's just what he said i just thought it was an interesting quote if you don't sorry but uh then we'll be here to hear from our sponsors and then you're going to hear us talk about duncan robinson and then talk about Corey kispert um for the second half of the pod um and just with kevin just from your perspective do you jamie mentioned that teams are will just pay more attention because he's kevin love and like there's just the threat of him do you do you notice that too from your spot on the floor yes every yeah. night okay every night yes i mean all attention is on Kevin Love. he's a he's a hall of famer he has to all eyes on Love. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Locker Room. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join the conversation about the NBA, the MLB, or if you're listening to this podcast, you want to learn more about the Cleveland Cavaliers. You're going to find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You'll have the chance with Evan and I, and might even have the chance to be featured on a Lockdown Cavs through our Locker Room conversations. Join us this week for lunch with Lockdown Cavs on Wednesday around 1230 Go to the free locker right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link to Twitter, and join the ML, excuse me, join the NBA group for the latest league updates. Follow at CDBandWrites or and at am not Evan to be notified when our rooms go live. I know you're not gonna want to miss it. We're again, we're planning to be live Wednesday at 12:30 p.m. We can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Cleveland Cavaliers. See you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk about sports. 
With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions such as, is this an Odyssey, an XL, or an EX, and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out today at rockauto.com. Also want to tell everyone about the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Evan, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we got to talk about some shooters here. We're going to talk about Duncan Robinson in one segment. We're going to talk about Corey Kispert from Gonzaga in the other. Where do you want to start? I'm giving you the dealer's choice here. Well, I ran a poll on the Locked On Cavs account prior to the game against San Antonio, and the overwhelming voting favorite is Corey Kispert. If they had to pick between Corey Kispert and Franz Wagner, if the Cavs, I, I would assume, fall out of like the top six-ish range, maybe. I think Scotty Barnes is like that sixth guy, maybe seventh, so seven, eight. People really want to really wanna get in on Kispert. But let's save the best for last because I got a lot of axes to grind, and I'm actually really open to the idea of the Cavs throwing some money at Duncan Robinson. I don't see what the loss is. Um, according to Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, he's expecting anywhere between 15 to $20 million annually. I think that might be a little bit out of the Cavs' price range, but hey, Cleveland could get weird with it, and they could make Miami match the offer sheet, and they have to maybe make Miami commit more money than they're comfortable with, or the Cavs get a good shooter. How do you feel about Duncan Robinson first, though? So I I think there is a, there's value there because I think he's not like a stand like standing in the corner, like not doing anything shooter. I think the price could be tricky, um, as you alluded to. The Cavs are going to have some money, but it's it's to be TBD and how much they're really going to have. They could order things, I think, to potentially kind of make it sort of all fit. You could send out Torian Prince in some way or, or what have you. Um, but basically, like, not having Andre Drummond means you're going to create a little bit of cap room sort of organically there. It's probably not quite enough to fit what you're doing unless you, like, Prince goes out and assign and trade it with their team or something. But... You know, we'll see kind of how that works. But I, to me, Duncan Robinson is interesting because, again, I do not think he's just a stand there and shoot a guy. He's really good and dynamic as a shooter coming off of screens, coming around screens as, as a back cutter. Um, he's got a little bit of like secondary playmaking stuff when you get him on the move and you get him in a pick and roll situation. I think the big question if you're Cleveland and I think for any team that isn't Miami that is willing to pay him is this. If you bring him in and you pay him, let's say he gets the Joe Harris contract, right? Which I think is like 15, 16 a year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'll double check while you're talking. So let's just say he gets that contract. You have to be sure that you can maximize him in some way. Is it your system? Is it just him? Like, I don't know if you want to bet on just his gravity being enough because I think Miami makes him dynamic and on the move and adds value in, to him to let him do stuff that he's really good at. Cleveland has not been willing to do the stuff with its, with its shooters that it is that Duncan Robinson 
um, is really good at. And I think you'd have to be committed to that if you want to go down that route with Duncan Robinson. But, I, I, you know, he's he's not a, like a lockdown defender, but he's a decent defender. Yeah. Like, he tries. Like, I, there's a lot to like. I, the price would be tricky, but I, I think if you're looking at, okay, we need an upgrade on the wing. We need a shooter. We need someone who can add this other dimension to our team and kind of offset some of the other stuff we have. He makes sense to me depending on, the, again, it's all about the price, and it's all about kind of like – how do you sort of make that work, and and is it worth? Mm-hmm. And are again, are you willing to maximize him in the way you probably sort of need to? Yeah, no, that's an interesting thing. And defensively, I do wonder if maybe part of it is Miami system as well, because that's just such a well-coached team. I know the Cavs are kind of gobsmacking the Spurs, and they have at this point, but that's also a well-disciplined team. But like, I looked it up. Joe Harris has signed a four-year, seventy-two million dollar extension with the Nets. With like, it's like a slide rule contract so it starts off at like 16 million and it wraps up around 19 closer to 20 million towards the end of the four-year deal but joe harris is also really freaking good i think um duncan robinson is also really freaking good like you said he provides tertiary playmaking he can play solid positional defense but i do wonder if that's partially miami system as well but i think robinson intrigues me the Cavs just need three-point shooting the worst way and i think also they don't really have anything to lose because they can go over the cap for jared allen um they can the sexton extension if they sign him to one wouldn't kick in until not this offseason but the next offseason because sexton will be in the last year of his rookie deal heading into next year so the Cavs have a little bit of money to play with robinson is uh, more of that Larry Nance player in terms of the timeline, in terms of age, but he fits in well in that regard as well. But um, he, I think he just provides a lot of things too. But like you said, it takes a lot of what the Cavs are willing to do in order to enable him to be a good shooter. And I think that also is a coaching thing as well. Maybe they bring in a Kenny Atkinson disciple or like player or, or not player coach that can kind of innovate the offense a little bit, let JB cook with the defense and then, have a coach that runs the offense and a la coordinator kind of thing too, but it might be a little clunky there, but I think Robinson would be a good pickup for the Cavs. And we're about to talk about why Corey Kispert wouldn't be a good pickup for the Cavs in the draft. And it's just very different things. Like, you know what you're getting with the free agent. There's a little bit of uncertainty in the draft, but I'll touch more on that in the next segment. Yeah. Just, I think my other just question here is like, are you, are you willing to sort of like, again, like, is it worth 15 to 20? Like, does he provide that much value for you? And I also just think it would just as another note here would tell you what you think about where this team's at because i think if you're willing to spend that much money on duncan robinson it is like saying that you think you're ready to make some kind of push right like because duncan robinson at that cost and any team that's willing to pay that cost should be like ready to take a step forward in some way and make a real playoff push not a contending push but this is like saying okay we are ready to do some stuff Duncan Robinson can help us get to where we want to go, and that is the plus. I think if you're like, okay, we're still a year or two away, it's a little harder, I think, to justify that amount of money. Well, let's say they get a Cade Cunningham in the draft. Let's say the Cavs land the first pick. That kind of moves the needle towards being like, okay, we need to start really being thinking about being a playoff team as well because then you have Cade Cunningham as the central piece that you built around with the complementary pieces in Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Nance, Allen, Kevin Love will likely still be here. Um, Torian Prince, like you said, will likely be traded in some scenarios in order to make the money work to sign like a Duncan Robinson or something. You bring in a shooter like that to accentuate Kate Cunningham and accentuate his God-given abilities just cerebrally as a playmaker, like it makes more sense um I, maybe Jalen sucks too you kind of do that as well i think he kind of has that but a little bit of that craftiness to kind of be the guy and um maybe evan mobley too the Cavs think he's comfortable they're comfortable playing him in tandem with jared allen or you know taking the weird suggestion of benching jared allen for him but either way um like you said yeah if the Cavs really want to start making a push and they think they can make a push signing robinson is a move like that and i'm also just not opposed to it too because i think the Cavs can kind of play that 
pre pre KD Brooklyn Nets role where they can kind of sign players to like crazy contracts. If it doesn't work out, they go back to their old team. And if it does, the Cavs kind of pick a player that they want and they can maybe flip them for more assets down the line too. Cause like, I'm sure if things went to shit for Brooklyn, they could get some assets for Joe Harris. If they really wanted to trade him. They won't, but Duncan Robinson, I feel is kind of in the similar vein where the Cavs can kind of maybe get some goods for him. If like they say, okay, we're not quite ready for the playoffs. Maybe we punt on this a little bit further. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, I'm again, I am very, I'm intrigued. I think there's limits on the money. Like twenty seems like a lot, but um, I think twenty is a lot too. I, what's the highest you'd go? Fifteen annually. Fifteen, sixteen. 15? Yeah, I'd go sixteen point five. I think just you know just to be that guy, <laughs> but sixteen point five, seventeen. I think is my threshold for paying Duncan Robinson, and I don't think Miami can pay that at all. So. I, I think if you're Cleveland, you have to be pretty sure that you can maximize. I mean, I think you need to like be very sure that this is like going to make sense and not just be like a, a thing you don't know how to deal with. Because it's it's well, it's a piece they just haven't shown how to use. But we'll talk about another piece who would like theoretically like fill this actually, stuff, but not one. One last question: Would you rather use that money on Duncan Robinson or let's say Spencer Dinwiddie says he wants to come to Cleveland and he wants to sign oh, a normal contract? No. Would you commit the money to Dinwiddie or Robinson? Robinson, ten times out of ten. Oh, interesting. I think I do, Dinwiddie. Okay, we can talk about that some other time. I don't have... Yeah, that's not a need for me if I'm Cleveland. Fair enough. Um, but why don't we take a quick break? we got a couple more bills to pay. And, folks, let me tell you about our sponsor at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, which just ended Monday night, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and they have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. If you're interested, head on over to the website using your mobile device or computer and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts and the exclusive betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. I also want to tell you about the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Scouting Reports draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Follow the Locked on NBA Draft Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Evan, let's talk about Corey Kispert. So, Gonzaga player um, is going to be in the draft this year. You know, he's considered, like, not a top, obviously top, top of the draft pick, but um, he is... It's weird, man. I'm not high on him, but I'll talk about it in a second. But okay, like, no, but you, you you clear out. I'll give some details on where he's ranked by his various yeah. places. But like, what? Just give give me your take on Corey Kispert. I just think it's weird. He's a senior. Um, there's not a lot of upside there. He's kind of a one dimensional player to me. Yeah, he's 22 years old. So people can kind of like say, he's not that limited, he's 22 years old, but he's such a one-dimensional player to me. Um, He's known as a perimeter shooter for Gonzaga. He gets good looks. Obviously, he's been a key piece in helping alongside Jalen Suggs and getting Gonzaga into a perfect season. And we're recording this on Monday nights. We're not 100% sure what the result is of the Baylor-Gonzaga game, but Kispert's been a key part in that as well. Um, I just don't think justifiably you can take a especially if you're a develop like a rebuilding team let's say golden state is picking in the back end of the top 10 maybe Corey kisper makes sense there because golden state is a team that kind of needs more pieces that can help them win now versus players that they can hope can be developmental pieces like a jonathan kaminga in the future like 
uh, it's just weird to me because and good friend of the pod Trevor Magnani he's not doing a ton of draft analysis but he kind of put this nugget in my head that's just really stuck in my cross since um you look at guys like Kyle Korver or Doug McDermott towards the end of their careers both respectively with Creighton weirdly enough but um you look at guys like that um they were more involved in the offense they were involved in doing other things other than just being a shooter like Corver and McDermott were tertiary playmakers, sometimes primary playmakers, depending on the sets and situations as well. But Kisper doesn't do that. He has played four years. Yeah, I know KOC has him seventh on his big board, and he compares, has shades of Bojan Bogdanovich, Joe Harris, and Gary Trent Jr. Um, I think with the way KOC ranks things, that's like the expected, the ceiling, and then the floor. Um, I think that's really generous comparisons, especially Joe Harris and Bojan Bogdanovich. But, um, I don't, I'm just not too crazy about him, and if you really had to make me pick, I'd rather have Franz Wagner, who at least is 19 and has a little bit more upside for me and like isn't as one-dimensional as well because Wagner Wagner can p- provide playmaking. He has some... He's a good help defender, and he's a decent player as well. There's areas for improvement as well, and he's not the most athletic player, but I don't know. The same thing can be said for um, Kispert as well, and like he just doesn't make sense to the Cavs either. Like Maybe for another team, like I said, Golden State or... Uh, let's say like a team i don't know i'm just trying to think of teams that are really disappointing this year let's say like the lakers really bottom out without lebron and anthony davis and things get weird or like san antonio or indiana even new orleans like those teams all make sense as options for Corey kispert but like or even toronto too but cleveland not so much because cleveland needs a player with upside cleveland needs a player that they can kind of make a key integral piece going forward and um I also feel like you're throwing out the bathwater on Dylan Windler here, too. Like, I know, yeah, Windler's oft injured, and I, Chris and I both agree that the way Cleveland uses him offensively is a little bit dis- of a disservice to his offensive capabilities, but it's just a weird thing, man. Like, I, I don't know where he was initially ranked prior to March Madness, but I think, like, the run the Gonzaga had in their conference tournament and the run they've had to the national title has boosted a lot of Kispert stock. The same could be said for Jalen Suggs, too, but... Um, I just, well, I just S- don't Suggs, see it. Suggs has Suggs. been like the creator and the yeah. leader of that I don't know, team. Suggs is different. good, and I think like we're gonna talk with Jackson Frank about this later in the week. Like I like the idea. I'm warming up to the idea of Suggs being in Cleveland. Like that's how much I like him and how much I enjoy watching him play. Like it's just the little things he does. Like he makes way more sense with a top five pick, assuming Cleveland lands in the top five again, versus Corey Kispert. Even like if the Cavs land in like six, seven, eight. I'd be sick to my stomach if they took Corey Kispert because I'm just like, what's what's going on here? There's probably going to be a few players available that have more upside than that, and that's just my biggest thing is like, there's no upside. Yeah, so I this I, Kispert, I think the concern would be that you look at him in college and like I, I can't speak to like Duncan Robinson was obviously in the beeline system, and I think he just sort of like dude, shot it's wild. And stuff too. Beeline never ran a single play for Duncan Robinson. That's such that's such a crazy thing to me. I still. think I think Duncan Robinson is like since said that got taken out of context a little bit, or like was like sort of inaccurate, but like <sighs> nonsense. We okay, can whatever. we can slander John. He, he's not going to listen. Maybe the beeline ball, beeline ball wants to sponsor the pot. I'm, I'm just saying. So, but here's here. Kispert hasn't like done very much creation. Like Trevor Magnotti, our friend, um, kind of pointed this out to us originally. And Trevor, if anyone doesn't know, is like a really detailed draft person, or at least was before he. Trevor you know, looks grew for up. the nuances with college prospects too, because college systems in col- like systems in college are so vanilla at times. Like 
John Calipari's teams are consistently like the players don't look that dominant and then they come to the NBA and they're actually able to play to their God-given abilities at times and they look so like Carl Anthony Towns looked okay at times at Kentucky and now look Carl Anthony Towns is early one of the best big men in basketball continue so I, I look at that in that concern and I think if I think that to me I look at at Kispert and he's 11 on Sam Vicini's board at the athletic uh, that came out on March 1 for for what it's worth that's up ahead of a guy like Moses Moody, ahead of Wagner, who's 15th on this. He's one spot behind James Booknight from from UConn. I think Kispert screams like a guy that if you're like, as you mentioned, like the Warriors or a team like that at the back end of the lottery that just like maybe needs like a specific skill, he makes most sense there. I think for Cleveland, it wouldn't really make sense. And I think no. what differentiates him from Robinson is like, like Dylan Winler is like the 26 pick. And like, I, I don't think you should be afraid of trying to upgrade on him because he just hasn't proven it. Like, yes, there are some structural things that have maybe yeah. not helped him and the injury hasn't helped. Let's say but like, Kispert's there at 26. Hell yeah. You try and get a pick there and take him. That's fine. But top 10, if you're Cleveland, you pump the brakes and throw it in reverse with our friends at rock auto upgrading your car. Sorry. So the, the various wings I would have over him that are in this range, I think like Scotty Barnes, I think Zaire Williams from Stanford. Um, I would say Moses Moody from Arkansas, and I think Wagner as well. I think all those guys you'd have to consider there. And, like, you know, like, if you want to look a little bit further, like, it'd be interesting to see, like, you look at someone like Josh Christopher from Arizona State, who's very raw, um, 6'4", like, a little younger, all kinds of stuff. But, like, do, do you view, like, the upside play as worth it? And I think if Cleveland, you have to strongly consider that. Ken Johnson from Tennessee would be another name in that kind of grouping as well. You're going to have options. Kispert would be, like, a very safe pick for, like, a specific skill that you're like the potential to get other stuff is a little bit concerning there. Um, and yeah. he might, he might end up being like a, like a good NBA player. Like you can have like a good career being like a Doug McDermott or, or being like that kind Kyle of player. Corver. Yeah. Kyle Corbin made his meals off that Atlanta Hawks team yeah, like, well, and, and, and with the Cavs too. Kyle Corver is also like a really strong defender. Like that, Brad Rowland, well. Brad Rowland, like really like hit hammer this to me home. When we first started, potting together like way back when during those series and it's like Corver's like a really strong one-on-one defender like it's like you, Kispert's gonna have to come in the league and prove that like he just he just is like even if Corver wasn't gonna lock someone down he was really strong and sturdy and like that gave him some value until he got really old when he was in Cleveland then he could hang a little bit less clearly right so there's there's trickiness there I think this will be fascinating I think um who gets Kispert will like it is for most prospects I think will really dictate a lot of how it goes for him Cleveland is it would be if I'm him I'm a little like, okay, like, is this the right place to kind of accentuate what I do? And I, th- I think the answer would be no. And I think if you're Cleveland, again, swing a little bigger more than, than a guy like Kisper. Yeah. We'll probably talk about him again, again at some point. But, like, I, I think what he is is sort of like, okay, like, I guess, like, if things get really weird with the draft and you're, like, like later and all the picks go in a in a weird way for you, then, like, maybe. But, like, I think if you fall sort of where we think they might, um, it would seem to me, you know, like, maybe maybe hold off on that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like, just hold off on it. Um, Golden State makes a lot of sense for Kispert, but not for the Cavs. And a lot of the guys you laid out, too, like Moses Moody does intrigue me. Keon Johnson is intriguing as well. Franz Wagner, um, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Johnson, Zaire Williams. Like, he's a little taking a couple steps back because he's kind of been underwhelming at times for Stanford, too. Like, there are at least guys there that are still raw and have potential the Cavs could take a stab at, but I don't know. I just I, I'm I'm all the way out on Kispert and like I've watched a lot of him because Gonzaga's a fun team to watch and I've been enjoying this tournament quite a bit, so I wish him the best, but I think he'd be better suited for a team like Golden State, San Antonio. 
even the Pacers, if the Pacers want to move on to Doug McDermott and get a cheap replacement, there you go. The Pacers could take him. Evan, uh, let's get out of here. Just tell everyone about some of the stuff we have coming later this week. Well, we have our locker room session on Wednesday. If you're an iOS user, download the locker room app and sign up as soon as you can. Uh, we'll be doing Wednesday of Locked on Cavs at launch at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Follow Chris at CWM Rights on Twitter and on Locker Room. Follow me on AmNotEvan on Twitter and on Locker Room to just kind of keep updates on that. Uh, you can chat with us live, and we will talk anything Cavs. Probably be talking some draft stuff, especially after the Gonzaga game, because uh, I'm really going to start... I think I'm getting more and more bullish on Jalen Suggs. But other than that, we have the great Ashley Bastock coming on this week, uh, the best beat writer covering the Cavs right now. And we also have Jackson Frank, who is covering Gonzaga for the Athletic, and he is a draft guru as well. So it's going to be a fun, content-filled week, and thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, going to be a fun time. We'll be back, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, and as we dive deeper and deeper into the Cleveland Cavaliers. Locked on Cavs is your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast covering the latest news, rumors, and game action from the wine and gold. You can follow us on social at Locked on Cavs or give us a call and leave a voicemail and we'll answer your questions live at 440-673-3605. If you want to contact the show, email us at LockedOnCavs at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is by going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It's produced and hosted by Chris Manning and Evan Damerl.